the next year, they didn't really need me in the quality control office, but they really needed me over in the shipping department. So I moved over there and I was cleaning parts before they shipped out. I was getting the little metal burrs off of the components before they shipped out. I was boxing them and I learned so much. You're listening to Small Minded, the podcast that believes being small is a good thing because small steps lead to big impact, small towns have a big heart, and small businesses play a big role in our modern way of life. I'm your host, Molly Knuth, and here at Small Minded, we share stories and strategies to help small towns and small businesses flourish. Here's to a life well-lived, being small-minded. Hello there, listener, and welcome to another edition of the Small Minded Podcast. My name is Molly Knuth, and here at Small Minded, we celebrate small towns. And a couple months ago, I started what I planned for a series, but so far I've only done one episode. So this is episode two, where I walk you through various jobs that I've held throughout my life in different small town businesses and what I learned from working in that variety of industry. So a few months back, and we can link to this in the show notes, but I talked about everything I learned working as a server through various restaurant positions that I have been in over the years. And I still attest that everybody should work in the field of customer service at some point because you just learn so much about people and how they operate and how to provide some of those intangible service-minded things in your own business or in your own organization that you don't just learn in a course or take notes on in a book. So today's episode is going to be in that same vein, but it's a dramatically different industry. So back when I was in high school, I was starting my senior year and I knew that I needed a second job. So I was working as a server at our local cafe, but I wanted to take home a little more cash because I had just gotten a car. I needed some gas money. And I was hanging out with my friends a lot more, and so I needed some spending cash. I took a second job working in another food-related industry, but I found out not very long after that there was a position open for a high school assistant at one of our local manufacturing facilities. This person would just help with general office assistant things. I would be filing. I would be doing some shredding, maybe some light computer work but nothing like super involved in the actual factory itself. So I applied for that job and I got it. And for that time of my senior year, this was a great job because the people who I worked for were very friendly. They were very flexible. As long as I got into the office, stayed caught up on my work, I could be flexible about the hours that I came in. So depending on the extracurriculars I was involved in at the time, I might come right after school or I would wait until later in the evening because they were a plant that operated three shifts. So I could come in right after school and work with the office staff. Or if I just needed to file out in the factory floor, I could come in at seven o'clock after play practice got over and get my filing done. So that was super awesome. And I wasn't earning server wages, which back in the early 2000s, the minimum wage to pay a server was something like $2 an hour. And then they factored in tips on top of that. But at this place, I was getting minimum wage, which was $5.15 an hour. And I thought I was making big bucks, you guys. It was so awesome. 
And I had money to drive my car wherever I felt like, and I was making my car payments and life was good, right? So over the years after I graduated, I worked there for the summer and I planned that that would probably be the end of it. But as luck would have it, they thought I should come back. So I was able to work there over holiday breaks, summers, and take on a variety of roles in that industrial facility doing different things. So sometimes I would be in office work, but then I grew into different positions. Like I got to work in the quality control and actually get my hands on some of the parts that they were making and fully admit, like I wasn't excited about like checking parts all day, but I was excited because that came with a pay bump. I was very financially motivated, you guys. And then the next year, they didn't really need me in the quality control office, but they really needed me over in the shipping department. So I moved over there and I was cleaning parts before they shipped out. I was getting the little metal burrs off of the components before they shipped out. I was boxing them and I learned so much. And over the course of the years that I worked for that particular business, I got to see a lot of different places in their facility from the office to the quality control, to the shipping, to the tool crib, to the like warehouse area where extra tools went. And I got to help inventory and track those. So as I went on and kept taking on these new roles and responsibilities and inflecting some of my creative ideas, I became part of the organization. And even though it didn't last beyond my college years, at that point, I was ready to begin my family, begin my career that I had been trained for. I still took away so much from working at that facility. And there's a lot of working in the manufacturing sector that I think translates to today, where we're at in 2021, and I'd like to share a few things. And admittedly, this is all anecdotal, right? So this is my experience. It doesn't mean it's anybody else's experience. I didn't pull data on this. I'm just sharing with you what I learned and how I think manufacturing is critical in our small town economies. So now that I've told you the backstory, Let's get into my key points and takeaways from what I learned in the various positions I held in this manufacturing company. All right, first point I want to make is that people are the most important part of a workspace. So whether I was in this manufacturing facility or I was at my restaurant job or whether I was actually teaching later on down the road when I got my degree. What I've learned in every position I've held and in every company or space that I've worked in, every business, every brand, every culture, I've learned that people are what make the job great or what make it suck or what make it fun or give me a stomachache when I think about reporting for work. So at this manufacturing facility, I mean, it was your typical factory where you've got people wearing steel toe boots. It's greasy. It's dirty. We're working with metal components, so it's like dim lighting. Sometimes the air was a little foggy, but it was filled with people who were just so awesome. Not everybody was excited about the job they were doing, I'm not going to lie, but a lot of people who had been with this company since its inception in the 1970s, and they had employees who had been tenured for years and years and years. And A, I think part of that was probably because of the generation And the generational difference of how people in that time really picked up their bootstraps, they got a good job, and they stuck there, which I think has been a change in the years that have passed since. But the other thing I think is that 
the family who owned the company, and it was a family-owned company, they really respected the people who worked for them, and they honored the questions, and they honored the needs for change, and they grew over the years. And I think that was a really good reciprocal relationship between the front office and the people out on the factory floor. Now, what I found is that even if people weren't excited to come to work every day, even if they were complaining, even if they were like, gosh, is it three o'clock on Friday? (laughs) I found that they really were fun and joyful. And you would see people joking and smiling. And one of my favorite things to do, whether I was doing office duties or whether I was helping track down missing tools that needed to go back into the tool crib or whether I was in the shipping department and about to take my break. One of my favorite things to do in this, I shouldn't even admit, but was to just like take a walk around the shop and just like visit with people. So if I was getting like a little antsy and I'm like, I just need to go stretch my legs and get away from checking these 10,000 tiny little pieces. I would just get up, go for a little walk. I'd stop at those few people who I knew I could get a joke from or who I knew would like just chat with me for a while. And I seriously loved the people that I worked with. There weren't very many people who were my age. Most of them were probably like my parents' age and their friends, but they were so much fun and they really made my experience at this particular facility a memorable one. And they were the some of my biggest cheerleaders. They would like recommend me to do different things. There were references for me. They wrote letters of recommendation as I needed them for other positions as I grew and went through my education. And it was really something special to be able to like rely on these people and to like converse with people who were at a different age than me and also to see like some of their values and their stick-to-itiveness and how they went about their lives. Because In the restaurant role that I was occupying and as I was going for my teaching degree, this was an age that I wasn't going to be able to interact with a whole lot. And I loved getting their wisdom and just like hearing their sense of humor and just shooting the shit with them, if you will. So the first thing I learned in this role is that people really make the place that you work. So even if you're not doing something that you're passionate about, even if you're not doing something that you're super excited to report into every day. If you have a solid team of coworkers, if you have people who really care about the people they work alongside, if you've got people who have a good sense of humor and can keep like an open, fresh mind, then that, that just makes up for so much. And I know that like in these modern times, we have maybe in the media a portrayal of who works in factories and manufacturing. And I really, when I think about it, I think of these people that I worked alongside for four years, and I think about how they were the community volunteers, they were mayors, they were city council members, they were like teaching their kids like the ways of the world, they were showing up at parties on the weekends, and then they were helping tear down and clean up before they went home. It was really the good people of these small towns, and they were just earning an honest living to help provide for their families, and I was really inspired by these people. and. I just think people make all the difference. All right. Second thing I learned, own your mistakes. (laughs) So I'm not going to pretend that I did all of this well, you guys. I definitely made major mistakes. (laughs) But I don't know. Hopefully I can tell this story. But when I had moved from the office position into the quality control room, 
my responsibility was to check the parts that were coming from the actual machines and making sure that uh, they were built to the specs on the blueprint and that they were within tolerance, which means like the size was correct, that once they got these smaller components got fitted into the larger components, that they were actually going to fit, they were going to function correctly, and that it was all like within the right realm of what it was supposed to be. So in a given day, I would be either like entering information on a spreadsheet at the computer, or I would just be sitting in front of a table with like hundreds of parts to check and measure. So one of my first jobs (laughs) was to check like five little parts. We had to send them to the buyer. So like the company that I worked for, they did work for other bigger brands and bigger companies. So let's just use an example like Coca-Cola. Somebody makes that bottle and then they ship it to Coca-Cola who then fills it with their product. So we were kind of like the bottle manufacturer in that metaphor. We didn't really make bottles. So what I had to do was take a few of the components that we had done on this first run in a while. I had to like check them and then I had to ship them myself. So I had to go take them over to the shipping department, like oil them so they didn't get rusty and box them up and send them off to the bigger brand so they could make sure that everything was in line and then we were good to go to run the rest of the order. So (laughs) I didn't know a whole lot. And admittedly, sometimes I just hate asking questions, more so when I was younger. But I did what I thought I was supposed to do. So I checked one part. I put a tag on it. I wrote down the specs. I checked a second part, put a little tag on it, wrote down the specs. And these tags weren't like sticky tags. They were like the kind that um, have like a piece of twine and then you just wrap it around the piece. I hope that makes sense. And then there's a piece of paper on it so that it can like describe the specs that I was measuring. That's really hard to explain without a visual. So I hope that makes sense. And I took these parts, put them into a styrofoam container so they would be stable in the shipping, took them over to the shipping department, put them in a box, taped up the box, wrote the order number on the outside, and I set it there so that it could be packaged and sent off on the next semi. So, you know, thought I did great. Didn't ask any questions because I thought I understood what I was supposed to do. And I went about the rest of my day. Now, about a week later, I received, (laughs) I was like sitting in one room and then the person who was supervising me in the quality control said, "Uh, hey, Molly, can you come over here for a second? He received an email from this (laughs) business person at the business that we were shipping these components to. And they said, what the heck happened with this box? So a couple of things that I didn't realize I was supposed to do was I was supposed to put first this special kind of like spray on these parts so that they would withstand like the elements in the shipping process so they wouldn't like get water damage or rust or moisture exposure. So I was supposed to put that like styrofoam thing that I had these pieces like inserted into, I was supposed to spray them and then I was supposed to put that whole styrofoam container inside a plastic bag to protect it from the elements. I didn't do that. Now, the picture that my supervisor got via email had a bunch of rust on these products. They were gold-plated and now the business who received them had all these beautiful gold-plated parts but full of rust spots. So that was mistake number one. Mistake number two The importance of the styrofoam container and the plastic bag I was supposed to insert it in was twofold. It was supposed to protect it from the elements, 
And also, if the box got jostled around at all in the shipping, which we all know happens, it was supposed to keep those parts in the right spot in the styrofoam container. It was supposed to help keep the little label attached to the part that it was describing. (laughs) When I didn't put it in that plastic bag, it got jostled around and now the parts were everywhere. The labels were everywhere and they didn't know which part went with which label. (laughs) So I was kind of in trouble. That wasn't big trouble. They were like, we know you didn't understand it. We know that this is new for you. So let's just try it again. So thankfully they gave me grace. But what I learned from that was like, if I make a mistake, I need to own it. And I'm not going to know everything. So I need to ask questions. And this happened again one other time. I didn't make like repetitive mistakes, but it seemed like every time I went to a new department, I forgot this concept of asking questions when I didn't understand. And then I ultimately made a crucial error. Uh, Another mistake that I made one time was like, there are these bigger parts. After you drill holes into them, there might be some residue that is left on the rest of the parts. So we can put them in these industrial size washing machines. And then I would put them in the washing machine, run it, take them out, dry them off with an air compressor, and then get them packaged up and ready to ship. So one day I was washing these parts and then lunch break happened and you only have 30 minutes. I had to drive across town, drive back. So the parts got washed. I was like, okay, I will dry these off when I get back. So after about 25 minutes, I came back, I opened up the washer and there was rust over every single one of these parts because I didn't, I didn't compute that. So the rest of the summer, my job was to take those parts and get the rust off of them with like a wire brush. Oh my gosh, it was terrible. But again, I had great people around me, so it made the time go fast. And (laughs) I learned that I need to ask questions. So hopefully you guys don't have any stories like that. But if you do, I can totally empathize. All right. I do think just one more thing before I move on. So I think that owning your mistakes Like not only asking questions is important, but when I do make a mistake, I didn't try to like push the blame on anybody else. I was like, yes, I did do that. Yes, this is why I did it. Yes, it was like, I just didn't understand something. And I think that like maybe endeared me to the supervisors that I worked under and ultimately to the owners because it wasn't like I said, well, it was so-and-so's fault. I wasn't trying to shift blame. I was just saying, hey, you know what? I did it and I won't do it again. And I think that says a lot about somebody's character. So own your mistakes, we'll inevitably make them. All right, third point, take initiative and be creative and innovative no matter what industry you're in. So when I worked in various positions in this company, I think the reason they kept me around was not because I was perfect, obviously, but I think it was because in every position that I held, if I had an idea, I wasn't afraid to share it and I wasn't afraid to try something new. So for example, when I entered into the very first role I had with the company, which was doing that like random filing, like sorting mail, shredding, like the people before me who had worked there, they got trained by the person who held the job before them. And then they did their job until they were done with high school. And then they trained the next girl or boy and so on and so forth. Now, when I was in that role, I said, why isn't there a training manual? And they're like, well, You usually just get trained from the person before you, and that's just how we've always done it. And I said, would it be okay if I put together a binder that has the duties listed out and gives examples? A, this is probably because I was kind of a teacher by nature. I think that I had a lot of those teacher qualities, like even in my senior year of high school. 
And B, I just loved office supplies, which is a really weird random fact about me, but I love school supply shopping. And at this facility was the first time I saw like a closet full of binders and page protectors. And oh God, this says so much about me. I also loved their like mail machine. I could just like run the envelopes through and it printed the postage and the address on it. It was awesome. But anyway, back to the binder. So I said, why aren't we like putting this together? So in the event that I can't train the person or let's say somebody needs to start and I'm on vacation or whatever, we have all of these things listed. And that way, nothing is getting missed from person to person. It's not like they forgot to explain this one key component of the job. Everything's in the binder that needs to be done. And like a decade later, I still live in this town. I moved away for college and came back. But a decade later, somebody said to me, you know, I still have that binder that you put together and we still use it for our trainees. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys, that's really awesome. I'm glad I put it together at age 18. Um, But also make sure you update it because it's probably time. (laughs) So anyway, take initiative, be innovative. And I think that really speaks a lot of who you are and it will give the people around you like also some creativity and some joy too. Because in some of these industrial settings, you know, not even in industrial settings, in any work position that has a lot of the same things, like it can get repetitive and people can just get into going through the motions and that idea of, well, this is just how we've always done it. And I think it's okay to bring fresh people in. It's okay to get their perspective and ask them how to do things differently. And maybe you'll get some ideas that will help you improve your processes and your business as a whole. Yes, I've got a kid here with me, so I hope you guys can't hear him. But if you can, this is life as a work from home mom and podcaster. <laughs> okay, my last point that I'm going to make about what I learned working in the manufacturing sector is to just take the job, be flexible, and do your best in whatever role you're in. So I know that this might get me in a little bit of hot water. It may not be the popular idea right now, but I've always kind of struggled with this idea of like, live your dream, work in your passion, because for a long time, especially like in my late high school years, when people were constantly asking the question of like, what are you going to do when you go to college? I didn't have that dream or that passion. I just was like, I don't know. It's a very big thing to like say, okay, what's your dream right now? And then now how are you going to go do that for the next 60 years, right? So sometimes like when I look back or even today, like my dreams and my passions are things that I like to do, but I don't necessarily want to make a living off of. So when different roles and jobs popped up through my high school and my college years, I took them. And whether it was working in a restaurant or bartending, or in this case, various positions inside this manufacturing facility, I took them on because A, I already told you, I was financially motivated at the time. And B, I just wanted some experience. I wanted to like learn stuff that I could apply down the road. And when we think back to this, like live your dream and pursue your passions mentality, while I do agree that it is important and it will fulfill you when you work in the areas that you're good at, I also feel like if that's the sole focus, then we're missing out on opportunities to really learn some of these life experiences and these workplace experiences that will serve us down the road. So I think back to 
this position in the quality control department in particular. Like I had to show up at 7 a.m. every day. I had to clock in by 7. I could only take breaks at break time. I could only clock out at a certain time. If I wanted vacation, I had to submit for vacation. While I was doing the shipping and deburring, I didn't necessarily love what I was doing, but you know what? It gave me an appreciation for these people who had worked here for 25 years. It gave me an understanding of how much time and effort go into these little tiny pieces of these products that I purchased. So inside of this microphone that I'm recording on, there's a knob that was probably made at a subcontractor. There is a cord that was probably made at a different subcontractor. There are things inside of this microphone that I don't even see, but somebody had to produce and manufacture that, right? And then somebody had to go and assemble all of these components. And it took real life people. It took like shipping people. It took truck drivers. It took all of these different roles in the manufacturing chain to get this podcast mic here on my desk so I could do this, which is my passion. But it wouldn't be possible without these people who are working in these manufacturing facilities. And even though I may not have been passionate about the work of getting these little metal burrs out of the holes of these tiny components, there was a reason that it needed to be done. And it taught me to still do my best and get all of those little burrs out because if I didn't, it was going to disrupt the final product down the road. And I really think that when we only focus on telling, especially the youth, to figure out where their dreams are and what their passions are in, and then to pursue that like without regard to other things, I think that can be really problematic because we need to teach these youth that sometimes you have to do these jobs that you don't love in order to get to where you ultimately want to go. And the things that we learn along the way as far as how to relate and react to other people in your workspace, how to keep your area clean, how to not, (laughs) how to not, for lack of a better word, fuck up (laughs) the shipping (laughs) and ultimately making a like really bad name for that particular person that I shipped all those gold-plated parts to. But it all taught me something that I could learn from. And then as I was building my own business, I can reflect back on that and say, you know what, this is what I did in this role. This is what worked really well. And this is how I can apply some of those things in my own business today. Even though it's a seemingly unrelated industry, there are still some things that I take away from that job. And I think a lot of what I take away are not the hard skills, but these things that we hear about called the soft skills, like punctuality, like completing the job in a timely way, like seeing a job through, learning how your role can affect others around you, and how it is ultimately a community that is working together to an end goal. So for anybody who's out there right now, I would say, like whether you're young or you're just considering a career change, I would say, don't be afraid to just take the job. It might not be your perfect job. It might not be your passion, but it might be a means to an end. It might be a way to put money in your pocket so you can pursue that extra degree. It might be a way for you to get some extra spending cash so you can put a down payment on a home. It might be a way for you to network with new people in your town while you're still job searching for that other position. 
And especially right now, I look around in my community and I see how all of the manufacturing businesses are hiring and they are very, very understaffed, I guess. And I do think that part of it is like this mentality that as a society we've adopted about working in the manufacturing sector. And I think that is really sad. And I think that it's something that we can all play a part to rectify. So I don't mean to be like on a high horse or anything. I just feel like I have the privilege of learning from a lot of different industries because I've worked in a lot of different industries and I can speak to how things actually are and not how they might be misconstrued when you're outside the factory walls. So I hope that was a good episode. I swore a lot more than I usually do, but I hope you got to see some insights into maybe me as a person and also how like these roles in our communities are important and our small town businesses. And I think especially about the manufacturing businesses that are in my small town, they are crucial. They employ hundreds of people. They give back so much to the community through sponsorships, but also in the tax base and the economy. And I really firmly believe that our small towns are dependent on the small businesses that reside there. And it is up to us, if we want to see our communities flourish, that we have to play a part in getting these open positions filled and that we have to play a part in saying, maybe I can help with that. So I hope you learned a little bit about manufacturing today. You probably learned more about burrs and shipping and how it all happens than you ever cared to know. But it was like when I look back, it was kind of fun. And even though like after lunch, when I was typing at the computer, I would always get a little sleepy. I'd have to go out to the break room and like grab a Dr. Pepper from the vending machine. It was still like something I look back on and I just am very thankful that I took that role and I had the opportunity to move through different departments and learn so much. All right. I will let you guys get back to your day. I will be back next week with another episode. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review over on iTunes or Spotify or just shoot me a DM on Instagram. I'd be happy to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of the Small Minded Podcast, the place on the internet where we celebrate small towns, small businesses, and the people who love them. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be forever grateful to have a review of your experience over on iTunes, Spotify, our website, or wherever you tuned in today. And as always, we welcome you sharing this podcast with your friends and family on social. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Small Minded Podcast or at mollyknuthmedia.com slash podcast. Please go out, make today a good one. Take a small step towards a bigger impact. Here's to a life well lived, being small minded. <laughs>